Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 336, when tech meets politics, recorded September 9th, 2018, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I am your host, Mark the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel. And joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts and the guy in the chat room, uh, Seth, the gooey kid Anderson, <laughs> Miles, the Ossigenary Wakeham, and Jenda in the chat room. Hi, guys. Hey, Mark, and welcome, Jenda, and the rest of the opiate herd. Hello, everyone. All right, so you may have noticed, maybe not, depending on how far behind you are, that we didn't do a show last week. So we had planned... To not do a show last week because it was Labor Day weekend and I wanted to spend the weekend with my family and not messing with podcasts. Um, and Seth had this great idea. Uh, we would all talk about an, a, a thing. We would we would record our own takes on a particular article. Then we would listen to without listening to anything else. Then we would listen to the each takes. Then we'd each do a rebuttal. And we'd I'd edit all that together ahead of time and it'd come out with a, something similar to the five minute uh, the ten minute tirades that we did before. But not exactly. Um, only none of that happened. Seth did his work. I did not do my work. Miles did not do his work. Dog ate my homework, teacher. Sorry. So there just wasn't a show. So tonight, we're going to talk about the show that we were supposed to have done last week. And okay. All righty. It's going to be an uh, undeterminately long show because I forgot to start the timer when we started. So who knows? This could be another two-hour show back the way it used to be uh so just a really quick bit of filler uh, i want to throw out there um i have tried and i have failed once again to give one half of one rodent's backside about nfl football i tried i couldn't even make it through the the i tried two games this this week and uh one of them i didn't make it through the first quarter and the other one i didn't make it through the first half i think i'm just not an nfl fan anymore and i just have to just own that I understand, Mark, because like I didn't watch a single game today, and I can't say I missed it. But Thursday, I ended up I had to stay late at work uh, for just various reasons, and I got home and I got to watch the last I don't know half of the quarter of the Thursday night game, and it was a it was like I don't know that I probably could have watched anything, but it was cool that hey I'm watching football and hey it comes down to the team that's behind has a decent it's not a they don't need a hundred yards they need like a six yard touchdown with one second left so I was like ah cool it came down to the end but so I probably I don't know I I could have watched you know the Dish Network pattern on the TV <laughs> and probably thought that was good so I I understand your pain. Man, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, the kneeling for the anthem or any of that sort of stuff. It has to do with the quality of play has diminished. Uh, I predicted this uh, three or four years ago. I forget when it was when they did the new players um, uh, agreement and the football players said, basically, we don't ever have to practice again um, and we're not going to wear pads and nobody can hit us. That was those are that's my paraphrase of the new players agreement. And I said at the time that the pros that are playing now, the 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 uh, the veterans can do this, but the rookies can't ever get better if they don't practice. And now we're looking at those rookies back then have become the veterans now, and the game is just so subpar as to what I grew up watching. But the problem you've got is that it can't really go anywhere from where it is. I mean, it's a game; it's played the same way year after year after year. 
Um, they can't change the ground in which it's being played. And unless they make radical changes to the rules on a regular basis, it's going to be the game year after year after year. I, I don't agree. I mean, the problem is they are making mat- radical changes to the, the rules. I mean, to the that game Thursday night, like it's now a penalty if when you tackle a quarterback, you land on top of him at the end of the tackle. So you're supposed to make contact with him, but in somehow shift in midair your trajectory so that you don't land on him because it's now a penalty if you land on the quarterback. That just sucks all the fun out of the game. Yeah, Things well, that used to be good hits and good tackles are now, you know, spearing or targeting because you're going to hit somebody right in their chest and right before you hit the ball runner what does he do he bends down to protect the ball and instead of hitting the chest you hit the helmet and you get a 15 yard penalty because you hit his helmet even though you were aiming for his chest and he moved and I'm like you know used to that would have been a great hit and now it's a penalty and so you can't tackle the guy with the ball because that's wrong but you can't let him score because then you lose and so you know it's like they get together and agree okay this time we'll let you get three yards but you got to kind of trip and fall when i touch you (laughs) and then next time it's like okay you got to go out of bounds this time and it's like okay now we let you do those so you have to stand upright and take one for the team and it's just it's yeah it's it's not okay there are because the people are just phenomenal athletes there are occasional occasionally brilliant plays sprinkled among a product that is overall more inferior and it makes the great plays stand out all the more but i'm just like dude you know let's get back to everybody playing good football and then you add to that guys doing using their job as an opportunity to protest you know if i went into my job and lit a flag on fire or some protest like that i would be fired this, the the workplace is not the place to protest unless you're a paid protester. But yeah. anyway, what would you guys like to complain about for the next few seconds? <laughs> Seth, what has Peppermint got to do with anything? Um, Peppermint is a movie. It's uh, starring Jennifer Gardner. And just think, what if the Punisher had been a chick and you've got Peppermint? But like all bad movies that come out today let's take some of the worst aspects of that and sprinkle those liberally into the film it was it's okay movie it's it's not a it's and it's not that i think jennifer gardner is a very good actress and but it's just it's like if it's an action movie show me action don't make me think i'm getting an action movie and then spend everybody talking about the action that happened off screen you know um so Peppermint is, you know, the Punisher's origin story if he were a chick. And you, you've you got Jennifer Gardner, um, who is very, very capable, very believable in the role. You know, she was awesome in Alias. Um, so, yes, Peppermint. That's my non-spoiler review. Yeah, I think I've seen ads on YouTube for that. That's all I know about it. And, you know, it's just her being, you know, just a general tough-as-nails chick. Well, no, it's people talking about how she's generally a tough (laughs) chick. So, um, I mean, there is some, there's some action, but it's all, you know, like I say, it's, it's imagine it's sort of like when they made Pacific Rim uprising, they took all the worst parts of the first movie and made a sequel about it. It's like, 
I wanted to see. I think what happened was th- these are the the things that we're going to put out, taking the extended, and somehow the real film got put in the uh, trash can <laughs> and not this, uh, you know, first cut. So, all right. Uh, and Miles, I, I I may have heard once or twice you mentioned this thing called DTube. <laughs> yeah, um, I I decided that I might try and record some video stuff. I brought back a bunch of footage from Mexico, particularly, and I thought I'd try and put together like a little movie thing. And I tell you what, it's really addictive once you get started in it. I mean, I've been. I thought a oh, little movie, I don't want it to look like some sort of, you know, high school project. So I wanted to do it right. Next thing you know, I've learned Adobe After Effects and all of these editing systems and green screens and it's just crazy. And I'm just turning into this like videographer. <laughs> but one of these days I'll actually put something on DTube. That's the goal. But for right now, I'm just still having fun playing with it. But you say you don't want to put something amateurish on DTube, so you would be the one professional thing on DTube once you get it up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, The background here is that a lot of people are abandoning YouTube, but to its credit, YouTube has some very high-quality videos. People who put a video on YouTube, they kind of have to know their stuff, not just their content, but how they produce a video. Um, DTube people, they get rewarded just for showing up, right. right? They can put a picture of their dog out there and cha-ching, the money will start coming in because they put something out there. I, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I want to do the YouTube quality, but the DTube monetization. And so that's my goal. That's, I guess that's why I'm being so cautious and sort of slow to get in there. But anyway. All right. Let me know how it turns out. I have an idea for something that I, I actually, it, it came about as the, the other podcast that I do. I even uh, r- uh, reserved the domain name like a year ago. I've renewed it once already and haven't done anything with it. And it's it's called dr- dramaticreviews.com. And the idea is I go on Amazon or other things, uh, Google Play, whatever, and I read the reviews in a very dramatic fashion. And I think that would be fun. It's a, it's sort of a, a common uh, thing that we do on the Android App Addicts podcast. Um, but I had intended to make a whole uh, podcast or maybe web uh, YouTube video uh, series out of it, um, you know, just being super uh, dramatic about the reviews. So maybe you and I could collaborate on a duty, DTube project. That'd be fun. Yeah. You could it could be like the making of video. So you know you like you're standing there with a script and you're trying to practice and people could interrupt and you know you could get your family involved. <laughs> you could make it you know the making of dramatic yeah. reviews. That sounds and, like another thing I don't have time for. But otherwise, great idea. But no, see that would be family time because you could get your daughters and stuff to like interrupt <laughs> yeah. you and you could like have them practice reading it so you could say, hey, you know and. That way you're getting to combine your passions, Mark. The only thing they'd be on board with is the interrupting part. Um, So moving on, uh, the the one link we have in the show tonight is actually old. It's from August, but uh, it's still maybe – I'm not sure there's a better um, uh, link about it. I've I've looked around, but here's the thing. Um, President Trump – well, the Trump White House, whether it's President Trump or not – 
uh, has proposed and is still sticking to a um, plan to levy a 25% tariff on a great many, up to a 25% tariff on a great many Chinese-made products. Um, reading through the list, uh, they're, they're still trying to decide how much it's going to be uh, on a bunch of things. But reading through the list, it's like phones aren't covered, but screens and and things that would be involved in making a phone are. Uh, so essentially, um, well, I don't know. We'll just I'm just going to leave it at that. The uh, tariffs have been around for a long time as ways to uh, um, control the actions of other countries. That's really all a tariff does, uh, and and control the actions of your own country. And and I think the uh, the Trump White House thinks that uh, by making um, Chinese assembled goods, Chinese made goods, significantly more expensive, it will encourage U.S. production of the same goods. So I think you know, knowing the the policies that President Trump has put out over the last few years, that seems in line with the sort of stuff he would do. So uh, whether this is going to happen or not is yet to be decided. But we decided we would. We're just going to act as if it is now a thing that starting October first, all uh, Chinese goods. We're just going to say all of them now have a twenty five percent tariff on it. What does that make the world look like? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? So that's the topic of tonight's show, when tech meets politics. Uh, so I've laid the groundwork for you there, guys. Uh, Seth, you start. Okay, well, I think that, number one, this has the potential, and I said potential, not that it will, to be a good thing. Because if it makes things more expensive, people will be less likely to buy the upgrade just because they want to. And it could kind of help combat the uh, consumerization and disposable tech nature that larger and larger portions of America are adopting and we could realize that hey the phone that came out three years ago is still a perfectly serviceable phone and you don't have to throw it out just because you know this one's a one one hundredth of an inch bigger or something like that so it has the potential to increase awareness in the fact that we don't have to be slaves to marketing and advertising and we can take control of our technology. Don't get rid of something just because it's old, save and reuse because you know, Hey, the best form of recycling is to conserve something. Don't buy a phone every other year, go to every three years or every four years and look at the money you would save and then think of how much better off you would be if you weren't constantly throwing money away at something that you really don't even need. And so there will come a point when things, when the prices go up that all of a sudden you realize I don't, I don't need the new thing. I just want it. And if that can happen, we can have more money to spend on other things and we don't have to be a slave to our possessions. Like, um, you know, they can be our possessions and we're not their human, uh, you know, waiting and looking to jump at them. So, it's a chance. Now, will this happen? No, it won't. People are going to complain and be mad and offended at everything. But there is a chance that this could do good by the increased price, making people stop and look and realize, do I need this or do I want it? Can I keep what I have and utilize that money for happiness rather than slaving after the latest shiny bobble? Miles, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to go the polar opposite. 
So let me first preface what I'm going to say with a whole bunch of facts and statistics, and I don't yeah, want to make. What are you doing? Like, bringing those into the, so, the yeah? I know. I'm sorry. You know, I'm still going to be a PowerPoint by audio presentation. But okay, so two days ago, Bloomberg reported that the first two hundred billion dollars of threatened tariffs against China went ahead. Okay, so that's now a done deal. So we had. 45, I think, back when the original Verge article was written, this week is now 245. Yesterday, Trump got on a plane and started threatening another $267 billion of tariffs on China. In effect, every single product that comes out of China will get a 25% tariff. It doesn't matter what it is. Barbie doll, cell phone, uh, Ethernet cable, 25% across the board. So that's, that's the situation right now as it is. And the attempt is to say China are going to reciprocal tariff what we send them. We don't send them much, right? But the attempt here is to blame China, okay? So that's the context. Let's look at some actual reality numbers here. The total U.S. adult population is about 77% of 323 million people. So 248 million people. In 2007, now these numbers are old, but CNET did a study showing that the average, user, the average U.S. adult spends $1,200 on tech per year and that kids spend between $350 and $500 per year on tech, which effectively the adult pays, right? So the total U.S. consumer tech spending works out to about $31.875 billion for non-adults and $297 billion for adults. Uh, roughly $330 billion in total tech spending per year. This is consumer tech spending, not business. Okay, so keep that number in mind. $330 billion a year is what we spend. Now, if you calculate 25% tariff, now, do we spend all of that from China? No. But if you've ever walked into Walmart these days, I would say a reasonable number is about 90%. If 90% of that $330 billion of annual spending is tariffed, it represents an $82.5 billion windfall for the United States government. This is a cost per adult in the United States of $332 per year per adult. Okay? This is not a tariff. This is a tax. Well, that's what a tariff is. Okay. It's a tax of $332 per adult per year to go into the coffers of the US federal government, period. Now, if you're a business person, you're used to paying income tax, sales tax, various government fees and duties and so on. This is yet another one. Now, I come from a country which were experts in finding every possible way to find a tax and a tariff, and they used the wharfs, because it was a big island in Australia, to, to duty everything, and it got to the point where you wanted to go up here and buy a pair of Levi's, it was $150 to $200 for a pair of jeans. 
If you wanted to fill your tank up with gas, it's 150 bucks. You want to buy a packet of cigarettes, $50. These sort of numbers is what Australians have, were living with in the 80s, before China, and we were trying to bring in Fender guitars from America, Levi's, you know, Jack Daniels, etc. American products. And we were dealing with these tariffs. And you know what ended up happening? No one wanted to buy those products. We couldn't afford them. So in the end, did they make their own bourbon? No. Did they make their own jeans? They got crappy ones from Indonesia, right? The end result was the people suffered. And here's the worst part about it. If this is a tariff between the US and China, what's to stop Brazil and Mexico having a free trade non-tariff deal and all of a sudden they're eating our lunch with every tech invention out there that no other country can afford to buy an American product? See, tariffs don't work. Free market has to be a 100% free. It's got to be an even playing field because when you skew one little part of it, everything crumbles around it. Now, I know that's my position and I'm a free market libertarian, but these numbers don't lie. And we're all going to pay $336 to the US government every year, but we're not going to pay it by writing a check to Uncle Sam. We're going to write a check to Walmart. And that's where it's going to get thrown onto us. So I think, I said early on that I think that the reason behind this is that uh, we want to narrow the trade gap uh, with China. Uh, right now it's about, I'm making this up, it's 98% inbound, 2% outbound. Um, like I said, I don't know if that's a real number, but it passes the sniff test at least. Um, and so uh, the idea is to bring American manufacturing back. So if we make it too expensive to purchase Chinese manufactured goods, we will manufacture goods in America. My theory on that is that we will find that it costs way more than 25% to manufacture those same goods in the U.S. Uh, we just, we're a different country with different rules. We, and you can argue uh, what's good and what's bad. I don't believe uh, in, I don't believe the way the average Amer uh, Chinese worker is treated is a, is a, a good thing. Uh, I might even go so far as to say it's an immoral thing. But we can't judge their country by our culture. Uh, so when we try to take American standards, American culture, and bring uh, American workers into American factories to produce American products, we'll find it costs way more than 25% more to do that. So we'll just pay the tariffs. And, and I think, Miles, you nailed it. Everything in, in the store is going to go up by 25%. Honestly, I don't think that's a bad thing. I really don't. Um, because things right now are artificially inexpensive. Your cell phone, your television, they're, they're not at reasonable, true, fair market prices. They're at prices that have been um, you know, artificially deflated because of the Chinese culture and the virtual slave workforce that they have there. Uh, I think it will bring some, some of the, it will be a more free market than than the free market that you imagine with no tariffs um the the question then is what does the government do with that you know 200 billion extra dollars a year i mean they'll find some way to to waste that and to use it ineffectively uh so i don't think it's a good thing 
but I, I don't think it's going to be uh, result in you know two hundred and fifty dollar Levi's um, or the equivalent of it. It'll be that that uh, you know hundred dollar sixty five inch TV will now cost one hundred and twenty five dollars. It's actually going to be like four hundred and twenty five dollars. But the the point is prices right now are artificially low, and this is an attempt to balance it out and take some of that artificiality away. I think it could be a very good thing. I think it could be a very bad thing, but I think in the reality, it's going to be almost a non-existent thing. It's just a way, I think you nailed it, it's just a way for the government to grab a bunch more money in a way that you you can say, I didn't raise taxes, when in fact, you absolutely raise taxes. Um, the, the same number of ships are going to be coming over from China. Same number of products are going to be coming out of China. The same manufacturing is going to go off, but Apple will only make a hundred billion dollars next year instead of $180 billion next year. That's, that's the end, the end result. Okay. Two couple of things about what you said, Mark, number one, 25% tariffs will equal a 30 to 35% increase in price just because everybody's going to take their cut as well. And number two, you said you might even call the Chinese working conditions immoral, but I challenge you, myself, and everyone listening that we have deemed them moral because we choose to buy from them. If we truly believed that their conditions were immoral, then we wouldn't be buying from them regardless of the price. And so because it's cheap, we don't care. And now we're getting expensive and we're raising, we're railing at Trump for doing this instead of railing at ourselves for allowing conditions that we say we judge as immoral, but our actions say something else. No, it's okay. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go ahead and buy them anyway. So I think that I wonder, do, does talking about it get to the point to where we examine our own beliefs? And I mean, like, I don't look for where was this phone made? I don't look at where was my shoes made? I look at, can I afford to get those? Nope. Let me go for the cheaper ones. So, I mean, I'm right there with you challenging myself. Do I think conditions in some place are immoral? Um, are workers being treated subhuman? But do I care enough to find out or do I just chase the cheapest price? And I don't know. So I don't know where that goes in, but I know that that's something nobody's bothering to talk about. So I I think you're on the right path there, Seth. I mean, when you said 25% tariff, it's probably going to be a 35% increase at the the cash register. I, I think you're right. But I, I think a hundred and twenty-five percent increase would be what things actually cost. Right. right, dude. I don't think they do cost that much. I think that's people taking an unnecessarily large profit. Because if you know, people might do a loss leader for a little bit, but they're not going to do it that long. No, I'm talking about it when. All right. So I didn't express myself clearly. And clearly, everybody along the line has made a profit and is is at least uh, content, if not happy, with the amount of profit they made. But in terms of the human cost, in terms of what it actually cost in in human effort and human labor to make your $1,000 iPhone, it really should be a $2,000 iPhone. 
to 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 raise those slave workers up to a level that we americans would consider appropriate that's that's what i'm talking about the true cost of it not the uh, okay. not the market cost but the actual uh, uh value of the humans who worked on it and the value of the environment the hit that it took uh, uh to the planet to mine the and and refine the materials to make that i think that those things have been uh unsustainably artificially lowered for a while and it's it and it can't last that that bill is going to come due either in terms of human life or um you know a uh, um, a whack of a sudden inability to find the materials that we need the rare earth magnets and those sort of things uh you know the bill is going to come due and if we um if everything doubled in price there would be a more uh, a balanced uh world I, I i just totally lost the thought there but the, i think that things are right now unsustainably artificially low and and that raising them is not a bad thing okay well there's a roll-on effect here so what happens is when you increase the cost of goods that you have to buy um, then you've got to find more money to be able to buy them right and or so do typically what, what or don't buy them right if it's an uh, elected item like a new phone and to your point seth you're right we buy phones we don't need um or a pair of nikes or a you know whatever if it's these things that are chosen elective purchases then we can probably change habits maybe move towards a more uh, sustainable sort of a way but here's the problem when prices go up the cost of everything in the supply chain goes up. And so it has all of these unintended consequences. And one of the things that you have to do as a economic management is you have to be able to make sure that once prices start going up, they don't spiral up. Because with the unintended consequences and people losing their job because they used to work at the shipping company at UPS that no longer ships so many packages and blah, 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 right? The only way that a government can control that is to raise interest rates. It stops an economy moving into hyperinflation. Now, we've got very low artificial interest rates right now. A more realistic interest rate, base interest rate, would probably be somewhere in about eight to ten percent. They want to what they call normalize at about three. With these trade tariffs, my fear is that normalization starts going closer to five or seven percent. And the effect that that has is that everybody's mortgages, unless you locked them in, go sky high. Foreclosure rates start increasing. And you can see now the, the snowball starts going down the hill. Now, the problem is the amount of consumer debt that US people are carrying on their credit cards will also go up. So will the cost of a car loan. So will the cost of a student loan. Everything will go up. So if everything's going up on those levels, now your $332 tax tariff per year that we're thinking turns into... $2,300 a year and you can't afford your home and you can't afford your car and you can't afford brand new clothes. You're going to go to savers for everything. Um, those things are okay if you didn't overbuy your house and you didn't go into massive debt 
and you're not carrying around a lot of credit card debt and you didn't go and take a $250,000 student loan, yeah, right. That's not the world we live in. It's the world and I live in. My, well, and it's the world I live in too. But I guarantee, and this is not uh, negative against any of our listeners, but if you took a statistical average, that is not the world that 80% of our audience are living in. And most of the time, it's not their fault. But it is the reality. And this is going to shatter <laughs> that reality and that cold card shock that comes from, you know, going cold turkey off, I can't afford anything anymore, so I can't have any debt. That's called recession, if not depression. So, so Miles thinks the, that uh, a 25% tariff takes us back to the Great Depression. It, it runs the risks very much so because, as you rightly point out, if we're not bringing in the products from China and we're trying to make them and you're going to pay a guy $60,000 a year to work on a factory floor versus a Chinese worker who will do it for five, well, someone's going to pay. Yeah, I think what ends up happening is Mexico and Canada buy from China and change the label on it and resell it to the U.S. at a 23% markup, and everybody wins. It's certainly possible. What I saw in Guadalajara um, in terms of trade and and every product that uh, – look, the tires on my car, made in Guadalajara. The brake systems on your car, probably made down there. Um, you, you can name it, the, the products are being made down there because those workers were working for six bucks a day. You know, now they're 16 bucks an hour in the auto union because of the new trade agreement, but they'll get around that. And that's what I talk about, the artificially low price. Um, the the $16 an hour is probably too much, but the $6 a day, I think we'd all agree is too low um, for, for the work they're doing. And so I, I'm not against the idea of normalizing these things. I am against the idea of a big government money grab being the mechanism for normalization. Um, I'll never be in favor of that. We have a $21 trillion debt and we've got an annual trade deficit. I don't blame anybody for trying to address that, but to dress it up as a wolf in sheep's clothing like this is just offensive to me. Seth, any final thoughts? I mean, like I say, you can look and somebody has got to pay the piper and we're running out of places that we can say, you know, you can only go to the bathroom so many times before you got to pay the check and um, we're going to have to do it soon. And if we don't do little things like this, then, I mean, what's going to happen whenever a, a first world country goes bankrupt? I mean, you want to talk the great recession. It was bad for people, but bad in the sense of I had to get generics instead of designer. It wasn't a depression where it's like I had to eat sand to fill my belly, you know, and the people who lived through the last American great recession, there's not many of those left. And the moderating influence 
of them saying, I will never do that again, is getting less and less every day. And the children are getting bolder and bolder. And one of these days, the children are going to have to grow up and realize that we inherited a mess and we made it even messier and we better start cleaning it up while we have some say in how it gets cleaned up. And if we don't, then, you know, we'll be wishing for just a 25% tariff on stuff from one country. How's that for a negative impact? Yeah, that's good. I, I could also see, let's say this goes, things go way south and the next president or you know, the next Congress, whatever, the next opportunity to to overturn this happens we drop those tariffs i could see china in retaliation just raising all their prices 25 percent you know and and you know this is saber rattling um in any form ends up being a negative thing so uh this is american protectionism and and that's how trump is selling it we're protecting american jobs we're protecting the american worker um and you know the tariff on Chinese goods doesn't affect China. They're not paying that tariff. We are. You know the per- people who purchase it pay that tariff. Um, so if they suddenly see a significant drop in their production, the only choice they have is to raise prices. So the prices then go up, which because it's a percentage-based tariff, now the the tariff goes up. Um, so the production goes down even lower, and so that that's uh, is the death spiral that Miles is talking about. But even if just reversing the tariff, that doesn't fix the problem immediately. So this is something that could cause you know a quick problem that's a, a slow fix. Um, and honestly, I don't think it's it's going to. I think it'll be killed in committee before it ever happens. Um, I, I'd like to be right about that. I may not be, uh, but I think it'll be heavily moderated. Uh, before the 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 proposition ever becomes law, you said something very interesting then about retaliatory uh, tactics and so on. Um, China is now no longer accepting our recyclable garbage. Before they were, so you send a big boat with a bunch of shipping containers full of Walmart products over from Shanghai to and Long Beach, and they empty them out. Well, they fill those containers back up with all of the trash that we've produced, all those plastic bottles and cardboard and whatever. China's basically saying now, no, you keep it. So all of a sudden, our recycling industry is having a really hard time because they don't have the, the automation uh, to be able to deal with this quantity of trash. So maybe that is the... the, the good side of this is that by reducing consumerism we'll reduce the amount of trash because nobody else is going to want to take it and maybe we can ship it i don't know venezuela you want it i don't know yeah well the recycling industry will actually have to start recycling Uh, and that's not right now they're a shipping industry you know i have a recycle bin that i pay extra for every every week for them to pick up and they have been sending us letters saying that very thing. You know, the the standards are changing. Um, the they won't take X, they won't take Y. And and my thinking is, well, I'm paying you to recycle it, not to ship it. You know, your <laughs> the name on your company says recycling. So why don't you recycle it instead of complaining that China won't take it anymore? Yeah. Well, if there's a cost of disposal of the product after you've got it. That'll get built back into the product as right. well. Yeah. 
Well, it goes like this. Everybody wants somebody to protect them. And we all think it should be the government's job to protect us because we seem to be, as a society, more and more incapable every day of protecting ourselves. And then when the government does something to try to protect us, we get mad at the government for doing that very thing. If everybody in America decided I'm only going to buy products that are made in America, there wouldn't take any legislative action and there it wouldn't be a question of the government did this. It would be a question of, hey, I think, you know, or I'm only going to buy from countries that treat that have protections in place to make sure their workers are treated with dignity and respect. I mean, well, then we couldn't buy stuff from America then, but I don't know where we could buy it from. But, you know. We want somebody else to make those decisions for us so we can feel good about not having to think about the decisions we make because it's somebody else's job to be the adult in society. It's not my job. I mean, I've got cat videos to watch. I've got selfies to take. I've got lattes to order, you know, and I've got uh, I've got stuff to be outraged about. I don't have time to make sure that this shoe I bought wasn't made by somebody earning 20 cents a day. You know, I'd rather be outraged at who a spokesperson is. So, you know, here's the thing. We have to grow up because we're, uh, I could turn this into the, um, you know, morality rant instead of geek rant, but dude, we have to grow up as a country. And if, if we think the government's handling it wrong, then we need to start handling it ourselves and don't expect somebody to do it for you and then get mad at the solution they came up with. That's the solution you wanted because you let it get to this situation. I only have one thing to say to that. Seth, what happened this week in history? All right, Mark, if you go back in time, September the 10th, 1990, the first search engine is launched. So the first internet search engine, Archie, is launched. It was used to index FTP archives to make finding files easier. However, as the technology for the World Wide Web was not yet invented until later that year, it was not the first web search engine. So the first search engine, but not the first web search engine, was launched this week in history, Mark. And now back to you. I remember using Archie uh, back, but yeah, before the web, things were just thrown out there in various servers, open servers, yeah, usually with an anonymous login, but you had to know they were there. So somebody had this idea of let's index all of that. Yeah, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> 1990, uh, most people were access- accessing the the net at that time. It wasn't the web uh, using probably 14 four baud modems in 1990. Yeah. Yeah, this sounds about right. Uh, most people probably weren't doing it from home at right. 1990. Good point. Yeah. It yeah was, I, you had the AOL dial-up thing that was a separate thing from the World Wide Web. Yeah. I had to dial into my university's system with with my modem, and I had a, an account on their Unix server. And then from there, I could get on the, the internet. The, there was no directly internet accessible port for my home. I had to go to the university to do it. And I used Archie, and I found almost nothing of value. <laughs> <laughs> and some people would say the internet hasn't changed. Right. <laughs> so now, Seth, what do you have to waste our time this week? What is your show-closing spectacular? All right. Well, this is um, 
if you if you are if you are angry and outraged about the lack of bacon content uh, from the Geek Rant lately, this is a web-based game called Free Bacon. Basically, you're trying to shoot pigs out of the air to uh, make bacon, and the more pigs you shoot, the better guns you can buy to shoot pigs better to get more bacon, to buy more guns, to kill more pigs, to get more bacon. So it's just a web-based game. Uh, creativeguide.com slash freebacon. Good luck. And may the odds I mean, be ever in your favor. Free bacon. I, I don't even need to play the game. Free bacon. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. You had me at free. Yeah. Well, free and bacon. I mean, that's... <laughs> All right, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can contact us, how you can feed back to us, if you will. Uh, you can go to elementopi.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page, fill out the world's hardest CAPTCHA, um, or answer the world's hardest CAPTCHA, then fill out the form, uh, and that will send a message that gets priority in my email inbox. Uh, you can also dial 559-IAM-OPI, leave us a Google Voice uh, voicemail, and we'll probably play it on the show, or you can send an email to geekrant at elementopi.com. And that will go to all three of us, lest you think I'm censoring your content to the other gentlemen. What do you think? Um, is is this whole tariff thing? Uh, I, I'm I'm really interested to hear from non-Americans on this one, but that doesn't mean if you're an American you can't respond. Uh, but I'm really interested to hear uh, in a non-North uh, American, I should say, non-U.S. American uh, uh, viewpoint on this. Uh, what do you think about tariffs? What do you think about, um, you know, using tariffs as a way to, to legislate, uh, your own country's activity? Um, you know, what, what if you're Chinese and listening to this, I don't know if we could get through the great firewall of China. I don't know. Um, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, let us know what you think, because this is a, you know, this is a, a multifaceted topic. I'll say that. And, and almost nobody can speak about it dispassionately. Um, so tell us what you think, elementopi.com. Uh, also, um, if you, you know, since you're not going to be buying those phones anymore cause you can't afford them, um, you could give that money to us. If you'd been saving up your money to buy a phone, you can give that money to us over to elementopi.com slash Patreon. Um, and, uh, let us know how, what you think by giving us money. Have you guys seen those machines and retailers where you can take your old cell phone I have. and like you put it in and it gives you some money back? Yeah, it's I like can- a it's like a reverse ATM. It takes pictures of your phone and and judges the the quality of it and then gives you like uh it it doesn't actually dispense cash, I don't think, but like um some some way to redeem a, like a coupon or something. I haven't actually done it because uh, I keep all my old stuff because I might be using it. Like, for example, to my left, right at this moment, I have an old cracked Nexus 5 hanging on the wall as the light switch for the smart <laughs> lights in this room. Because the other day, my sick daughter was curled up in my bed, and I couldn't say, Alexa, turn on the studio lights like I usually do. So I had to pull out my phone and find the smart home app and and tap the thing and then tap it. And I thought, I've got all these phones laying around. So I just I have it on the app. With just a big button now, so you just walk in and tap the button. So I recycle, Seth. I reuse. I'm but not you're wasting. killing the planet by using electricity to keep it on all the time. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. As long as you're still being, you know, hurtful while you're recycling, then you're good to yeah, go. That's important. I'm I'm burning at least one tenth of an amp every hour. <laughs> yes. 
Well, when a million people are burning one tenth of an amp every hour, yeah. Yeah. do you, you know, unplug your TV when you turn it off? No. Yeah. So see, I'm hey, I'm right there with you. Pull I'm the just, blank out of your own eye, sinner. <laughs> it's too heavy. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate uh, you, the listening audience. Uh, We'll see you next week. And remember, hey, pay for what you like. That's it for this episode of The Geek Rant.